0: It's Dr. Stew's Podcast at DrStu'sPodcast.com. I'm Brian Whitman. Thanks for joining us right here on the website at DrStu'sPodcast.com. You can join us on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to get a notification. Every time there's a brand spanking new Dr. Stew's Podcast, you'll know about it. You can write him a nice review. Give them five stars. We encourage people to share the podcast. We have a real growing community. Moms dads, couples sharing this on their Facebook pages, tweeting it out, putting it on their websites, emailing it to friends. That's how we are developing quite a network of supporters here at Dr. Stu's podcast. If you have a question for Dr. Stu, AskDrStew at gmail.com. That's our email address. AskDrStew at gmail.com. Dr. Stew will read every email. He will respond to every email. And some of those emails even make it on Dr. Stew's podcast.
1: Yeah, they do. And I'd also like to uh, also announce that I, I just did uh, revamp my entire Birthing Instincts website. So people can go to BirthingInstincts.com. And there's a link to the podcast. There's a link to the book. There's a link to some videos that I'm involved with on YouTube. There's links to uh, some of the speeches and things that I've given, and some essays that I've written, plus all about the home birthing uh, business and issues that that we deal with every day. There's a special page on breach delivery. There's a page on on VBAC, and there's a page on twin deliveries. There's a lot of pictures and testimonials there. So I encourage people to go to birthinginstincts.com as a link to Dr. Stu's podcast as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. Birthinginstincts.com. If you can't remember that, just the main portal, podcastcom On that page, we have all of the links to the birthinginstincts.com website and to the blogs and to Fearless Pregnancy, to Dr. Stu's book. So you just have to remember Dr. Stu's podcast, and we will farm you out from there to all Dr. Stu-related uh, publications, blogs, and whatnot. And, well, I have
1: to, and I have to say that I'm really grateful to all the people who have been listening and spreading the word because we are getting a a wider uh, group of listeners and we're getting more emails and it's really important because this is how this is going to change it's going to change from the bottom up it's not going to change from the top down and so people educating their friends and educating their family members and spreading the word on the natural birthing movement and understanding that birth is not an illness and a disease and pregnancy and all that stuff is really important.
0: You know, for somebody who might have just joined us right now here at podcast 43, they miss 42 of them. They hear you talk about change. They hear you talking about wanting to uh, achieve this change in a minute. What is the change that Dr. Stu's podcast hopes to enact?
1: I would like to see birth, uh, normal birth, not high risk birth, not and I hate that term, by the way, not birth that requires hospitalization, but I'd like to see normal birth left alone. I think that that our numbers in the United States here are terrible, our outcomes are not good, our C-section rate is way too high, and uh, it's all because of the model by which birth is tre- treated, or pregnancy and birth are treated in this country, which is as an illness. And the midwifery model, which is a much better model, ex- midwives are experts at normal, doctors are not experts at normal, and doctors are... Are wanting to take care of normal women in labor they don't even know how they only know when things go wrong how to treat them and they do that very well but they don't take care of normal birthing in training they don't take care of normal birthing well in private practice or in group practice my my goal is to try to remember uh, and help people remember that we are mammals we give birth like other mammals do that when it's best when we're left alone or you know being nurtured and feeling safe And uh, being able to move around and walk and only when things don't seem to be going well, that's when interventions are appropriate right now interventions are the norm and leaving people alone is, is not the norm.
0: Dr. Stu, you are very eloquent. You've been my friend for years and years, for decades before we ever even thought of a podcast, uh, when you were still doing, uh, your business the old way, uh, you and I I I, was doing it the old way. Yeah. You and I were friends. Uh, so I've known you for a long time and I've seen this shift in you. I think you are. And I mentioned this on, on the last podcast, you are ideally suited to sort of be front and center in this fight. And, uh, tongue sort of in cheek during our last podcast, I said, we need to get like, you know, a couple of gazillionaires to come in and drop some money to make Dr. Stew sort of the uh, the Huffington Post or, or, or the daily blaze of of, of of home birthing and medicine and women's health. And uh, I, I think that if we could find those folks, that's the next step for you.
1: Yeah, it would be great because I, w- I would love to be able to do a couple of things. First of all, I would love to teach. I would love to be able to be able to get into a situation where I can uh, teach residents who are coming through training now to uh, understand that uh, birth doesn't need to be intervened upon all the time. To t- to teach them that what I've learned from my midwife colleagues, actually, residents should spend a lot of time with midwives. They should spend a lot of time watching normal birth because that's mostly what we do is dealing with normal birth, right. especially as an obstetrician. Uh, I would like to do that. I would also like to lecture. I would I would love to be in panels with people who don't think that what we're doing and what i'm advocating is smart i would love to talk with them i would love to have an honest debate with them as opposed to this he said she said he said she said thing which goes on with letter writing or letters to the editor or that sort of thing where you can never have a real conversation with somebody
0: or i hear his podcast and have to hear the response on her podcast
1: you know let's get in the same room yes i'm i'm happy to debate anybody who thinks that that home birthing is stupid or that the mammalian model is not is it makes no sense or that breach delivery is dangerous I, I would I would debate them I would be respectful uh, I would love to be in a situation like that so yeah I mean getting out there I, I mean I am out there I'm obviously I, I have media outlets and things like that but I, again I would like to grow bigger but I also want to continue to do the births and so it's really hard because as a solo practitioner, yeah. it's really hard. Like I'm going, I'm going to be going skiing with my. By the time this podcast is played, I'll be back. But I'm going to be going skiing with my daughter for five days. How nice! Up in Idaho, and we're, we're meeting the family there, and it's going to be great. I'm telling you the stress I've been under the last couple of days to get everything lined up so that I can then go away for 5 days and, and enjoy then, yourself when you're there and then come back and have to pick up everything that I left behind. It's difficult. It's difficult for me, it's difficult for the clients, it's difficult for the people I support. I bet it's difficult for your family. And I, I would love to have a colleague who does who who wants to learn what I do, but I can't compete with the, you know, the economics of the medical model. It's just you know, it just we don't make a lot of money doing what we're doing and we can't pay a lot of money doing what we're doing. And and so it's something that's got to grow slowly unless, you like you said, somebody comes along with like a bazillionaire and wants to help us out, that, that would be terrific. Well, that's provocative
0: stuff. If you have an email for Dr. Stu, askdrstu at com. That's askdrstu at gmail.com. All right, let's get to some of the uh, medical news for women here. We want to talk about uh, mammograms, of course. Um, oh, before we do that, before
1: we do that, I wanted to just briefly, unless you wanted to do the Hawaii thing. I just got a quick update. We yeah, talked, I, had, I had Hawaii here, but want to do Hawaii first? Go ahead. Yeah, because a, it's, it's, a, it's, a it's a couple sentences. Yes, yeah, Senate
0: Bill 2569 in Hawaii, which of course focuses a great deal on home birth, has been in our radar here on Dr. Stu's podcast, and we have an update.
1: Yeah, it's a good update, by the way. It, uh, here I got, a, I got an email from um, some colleagues of mine in, uh, who, are, who signed a, got a petition out there. It says Senate Bill 2569 has been gutted and replaced with language calling for the organization of a task force. I love when they have language to organize a task force to study. Uh, but, task force means well, terminal. Yeah, whatever. But des- <laughs> designed to allow... It means it, it's going to go on and on and on. But it's Yeah, but it's better than stopping what they're doing. It's designed to allow midwives in Hawaii to self-regulate their practice. It will include representatives from each type of home birth practice, each of whom will be... Chosen by peers in their profession, midwife care in Hawaii will be allowed to continue without regulation from the medical board, and midwives will be permitted to set their own regulations. And I think that that's great, because midwifery is not the same as the practice of medicine. Mm. And, you know, we we do have a... We do have a... There's a common mistake given that when a midwife does something... And then the medical board steps in and says you did something that was, you know, you were practicing medicine without a license or doing something. And the truth is, is that midwifery isn't really medicine. And if we, the sooner we start to think of it as a different profession, the more clear it will come that, yeah, there are different levels of things. I mean, um, you know, uh, a beautician who does a facial is not practicing dermatology. Right right now that's not a great analogy but it's sort of the same sort But of I thing. get it
0: I get it you know what I think we need to do we've done dozens of podcasts we've learned so much and we've really built a great community I really I'm very proud of what we've done here on Dr. Stu's podcast we should reach out to Adiola, who is an attorney and get her take on uh, she was very eloquent on what's yeah. been happening here in California I'd love to get her take on Hawaii Senate Bill 2569 and her give us right here in our studio in Randy Wang's apartment the pros and cons of this uh legislation proposal in hawaii because i think she could speak eloquently to the pros and the cons of it so let's try to get on that maybe for next week uh, randy uh my producer are you on that right now you're on that i'm looking it up right now yeah okay. let's get to there adiola I on can that. See that yeah let's get to <laughs> adiola on that okay so uh that's your update on what's happening in hawaii we continue of course here on dr Stu's podcast wherever it is uh, not just in america uh primarily in america but throughout the globe uh where there are these issues and women's health is uh, basically on the ballot or in front of legislators, we will bring these stories to you, no doubt. So New York Times has a headline. I'm just going to read the headline to you here in... uh, Yeah, this is from about a week or two ago. Yeah, right. February 2014, headline, quote, it's in the health section of the New York Times. Vast study casts doubts on value of mammograms. Now for generations, we have been hearing about the importance of mammograms. You got to go, you got to what go when you're 40, go when you're earlier. Every year get your mammogram, get your mammogram. Early
1: detection, early detection, early right. detection. And right. And it's like
0: medicine makes people makes patients frustrated because the rules change all too often. Are we to believe Dr. Stu right now that mammograms
1: are somehow Overrated, overrated that an annual mammogram is too much for a woman? No, we shouldn't believe that. But we should take this study, like we take all studies on the Dr. Stu's podcast, and we should sort of look at it, and we should look at it critically, and we should look at it in context of the results that they got, and also what other studies may or may not have shown. Because... This does sound revolutionary. It does sound like, oh my God, mammograms are useless.
0: It's a blockbuster headline.
1: Let me let me summarize the study for the listeners, okay, and for you, Brian, because I don't think you probably read it either. Um, this was a study out of Canada, and it had it was a it was actually well designed initially because it took ninety thousand women and studied them over twenty five years. Oh wow! So it's you know that's got numbers and it's got length, and so that looks good. And what they what they endpoint they looked at was cancer deaths. Okay And they found that You know what I sound like I sound like Mr. Mackey On uh, South Park When I said Okay Just keep okay. talking mm-kay, You're doing mm-kay. You're doing great Yeah well I'll try not to do that But I, it's a bad habit I say No you're uh, being okay. very informative um, They look at cancer deaths Okay <laughs> Oh God. No, keep talking. What I'm learning. Look what I started. I'm sta- oh I've God. stopped.
0: I'm learning. I like it when you go okay. into doctor mode and teach me All stuff. Right, I'm,
1: I'm trying to get in doctor mode, but now I've got Mr. Mackey sitting in my. <laughs> go into
0: doc. Do-, do you mean you need to put your lab <laughs> coat on? Do you need a stethoscope?
1: Is Cartman around?
0: I want. Oh, I kid. <laughs> I want you in doctor mode. For I want to learn. <laughs> I'm going home. I want to learn from you. Teach me, doctor.
1: Okay. So uh, it looked at cancer deaths, and if that's your end point, what they found was that. In these 90,000 women, which were randomized to two groups, one was breast self-exam only and the other was breast self-exam with mammogram, they found that the cancer death rate was the same. Okay. So their conclusion was that the mammogram didn't improve. They expected it to prove that it lower the death rate, but it didn't. Right. So so, so the mammogram did
0: not improve survival rate. Is, is that accurate?
1: You know, survival and death are different. Okay. Because... Death means you, you know, the, the problem is, yeah, I guess you could say that that's the case, but the, 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 the issue that they brought up was mammograms picked up things early, but apparently some of those things probably would never have developed into a cancer that would have caused a death. I see. So these, a lot of women, what they're saying is a lot of women underwent biopsies, surgery, mastectomy. Unnecessarily. And may not have needed it. Okay. This is a big deal. Okay, this is a really big deal because obviously it's a disfiguring operation. It's probably one of the biggest fears that women have. You know, they say between one in nine and one in 11 women will get breast cancer during their lifetime. You know, there's a genetic link to some, uh, and that can be, there are some screens for that. And look, any unneeded surgery is a tragedy. Yeah, and especially one that's so. it's so important to women. I mean, sure. this is a dis- it's disfiguring for the balance you know, of their ha- life? Having, the rest a, bu- of their having life. a bunion surgery is not the same thing. Totally as having different,
0: the, right, right, of course. Uh, understood clearly.
1: Right. So, so what they're saying is that uh, that this is um, that it, their study showed that there was no reason to be doing mammograms, and right. so that's their conclusion. Now, clearly, that's not something that's going to change dramatically how America or other countries in the world practice initially. If people want to lower the mammogram rate, if insurance companies want to save money, if the National Institute of Health or the government or Obamacare, those sorts of agencies want to save money, they can now cite this study and cut back on paying for mammograms. I don't think that's going to happen right away, but I think it's going to inspire further further research and further studies. The important thing about this is, is the idea that paying attention to your breasts, that breast self-exam, is very important. And I say this to my clients every year when I see them for their annual exams is that, you know, I see your breast once a year. You're with your breast every day. You Once a month, you should get in the shower, cover your breast with soap, and you should feel your breast tissue. If you start when you're 25 or 30 years old... By the time you're 60 or 70 years old, you're going to have done 360 breast exams. Let me ask you a question. You're going to know immediately if something's changing in your breast. If there's a difference. Far sooner than your doctor could ever feel. What am I supposed to be looking for here?
0: In terms of time, if a woman gets into the shower and she, once a year... Sort of does a self once, uh, once a month, I'm sorry, in terms of time, Dr. Stu, with the soap and all of that, how long in the shower should that take in terms of time out of a busy, hectic schedule? Uh, you, you can't say a woman doesn't have 30 seconds a day to do this, a, a, month. a month, a month to do this. Right, right. right. 30 take, seconds. Take and 30, again, and again, we always, it's important because people hear it. They hear it. They hear it. They hear it all the time. What are you
1: feeling for or looking for? You're actually feeling for changes in your breasts from what they were like the month before, or the month before that. Many breasts are very lumpy and bumpy. They call them fibrocystic their breasts. They call them fibrocystic breasts. And it has nothing to do with this kind of cyst where you're talking about a cyst on your ovary or that sort of cyst. It's just an increased density of your breasts. Some women have very lumpy, bumpy breasts. Other women have very smooth breasts. The best time to examine your breast is just after your period is just as your period is ending, because that's when your hormonal levels are lowest. And the breast should be more tender. The breast will be less tender.
0: Less tender. Oh, at the end. Okay. At the
1: end. They're t- most tender just before you get your period because right. that's when your estrogen and progesterone levels are the highest in a normal, in a normal uh, ovulating woman. Like obviously, you're on birth control pills. It probably doesn't make as much difference because you're getting pretty much the same dose of hormone all day long. I mean, all, all month long. But that would be the best time to do it. You don't have to follow any sort of fancy rules. This is what I tell clients. You know, don't make it difficult. You don't want to make it difficult. Don't put your arm over your head and then your arm down and then lean forward and do all. You know what? Just feel your breast tissue you know if you have a good relationship with your partner your partner can help out as well, but I'm that's sure why that, more than he or she would be more than happy to yeah, do it.
0: But that's why headlines like this in the New York Times, Doctor Stu, are so alarming and so, to me, frightening. Look, I'm not a woman. I, you know, I, you know, but but uh, but uh, obviously I obviously have a great deal of passion for what we talk about here. A woman is going to see this headline, and people, as we know, we've talked about it. They don't read the whole story. They read the headline and maybe a couple of lines under the headline. They never read the whole story. No, they just read the headline. Yeah, a 23 year old woman is going to see a story a headline line in the New York Times. That study cast doubt on value of mammograms. Fast forward, uh, you know, uh, uh, six months, when she's supposed to go in there to make her uh, appointment to have her mammogram, uh, anything that might come up like, oh, dinner with friends, she'll cancel the, cancel the mammogram because in her mind, this seed has been planted that there is somehow doubt about the value of a
1: mammogram. Well, a couple things. First of all, you're... Right? You're, well, first of all, your example, your 23-year-old woman is not going to be getting a mammogram anyway. 40 year forty. <laughs> all right. Second thing is anybody who, who decides their life on from a headline on the New York Times has has to like rethink how they how they make their decisions in life. But Stuart, you know it's true. Understood. So this is something that hopefully you have time to bring up with when you go to your gynecology appointments, when you go to your midwife appointments, when you go to your nurse practitioner appointments. Ask them their opinion. Ask them what they think. Some people, I'm sure many physicians don't even know that this study exists. All right. I, I, you know, a lot of people live in a little bubble, and they don't, and they, and they don't necessarily continue, uh, take continuous education or, or pay attention. So they may not know. But then you can educate your doctor to look it up for you, and, and because your doctor has training, he can help interpret that for you. I would, I would just say that this is not a study that's, that's all, you know, that's all seeing. This is not something that says. That you should not do mammograms anymore. Matter of fact, the American College of OBGYN still says that annual mammograms over age fifty are are indicated.
0: And I think it would be a radical view in the medical
1: world to come forward and say that women shouldn't do mammograms. That would be outrageous. It would be well. It would be outrageous. And we also part of the problem is, and, and again, there are, there are different forces at work here, Brian. Clearly, there's an incentive for the American Academy of Radiologists. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, to think that this study is bogus, because obviously that would cut into their business sure, huge. And they've come out with a statement saying that the study is bogus, all right? Now, I don't know that that's true or not, I, and again, they are motivated by one hand. On the other hand, doctors are motivated to not pay attention to the study, because they're afraid that if they don't, if they tell a woman she doesn't need a mammogram... They
0: lose the office and, visit. Well,
1: no, 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 right. no, no, because <laughs> you still get the office visit, because well. they still come in for their annual, but... But if she develops breast cancer in a year or two... He's liable. Then you're, that doctor's going to feel like the, that the, in America there's no protection from that. Right. So what are you going to do, Wave the study and, and say, well, here's a study that says... But you know what? ACOG's still saying you need to get annual mammograms. So it's not going to change anything. We've talked about this in the, in the, in the event of ACOG's thing about uh, lowering the C-section rate. Yeah, how it's right. not going to have an immediate effect. Right. This is not going to have an immediate effect either, but it's going to inspire people to ask questions... Maybe people can space it out a little bit more. Maybe people who've had normal mammograms and no family history at such and such an age can can get one every five years instead of every year but you can't
0: you can't imagine Dr. Stu a 48 year old woman walking into her OBGYN's office or or into uh, an OB's office and uh, she wants to have her mammogram and the doctor uh, she or he stands up and says oh good news see this report in the New York Times we can skip the mammogram today that's not happening in America
1: today no it's not going to happen and it shouldn't happen that way what should happen is informed consent you should give the patient the information that this group thinks that mammograms don't save lives this group thinks that mammograms are useless this group thinks that mammograms are valuable and you know what we're doing in my practice right now is such and such
0: but do you think that your dedicated commitment to informed consent sometimes causes you to give lip service or fill headspace of patients from nuts like, they, you know, informed consent. I want to give you informed consent because some, forgive me, uh, you know, some some, some quack uh, wrote some article. So I got it because I believe in informed consent. I, you know, philosophically, I believe in my bones. And I got to let you know what this, even though I think this no, person's no, 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 half no, a no, nut, no. I got to no, let you know but what this they is,
1: think. This, but first of all, this study made the front page of the New York Times health right. section. Second of all, it's a big study. Over like I said, ninety thousand patients over twenty five. I'm not years. referring to just this study.
0: I'm referring to informed consent. No, you consent. can't.
1: You can't possibly give informed. Brian, if if I was giving you informed consent about the Motrin that you took last week, right? Okay, I would have to tell you all the things that go wrong with Motrin. I didn't. You could get have it, an allergic reaction. You could have anaphylactic. You could have. You could have uh, an ulcer. You could do this. You could destroy your liver. You could blah blah blah. You know. I mean, you really want to know all that about your Motrin? No, knock on wood, nothing happened to it. I don't have a uh, headache. Can you imagine? Can you imagine I, Carl's Jr. giving you informed consent about the cheeseburger? Oh my God, I'd be dead by the time I hit the door. That's well, you wouldn't. You know, you may or may not uh, have time to eat your cheeseburger. Right. And by the way, no doctor or or right. midwife or anybody has reason can reasonably give, ultimately true, true informed consent. There yeah, isn't right. time for all that sort of thing. So, it it is a situation where again, breast self exam really important. What the study is also saying is that although the lumps may be discovered or the abnormal the cancer may be discovered sooner in people with mammogram than it is in the group that didn't have mammogram their survival rate and the treatment were not that significantly different I see. and they and the, the scariest part about what that i what i read in reading several different articles about this was there's a lot of thought that that at least the thinking in the surgical radiology world something called ductal carcinoma in situ hmm. which is a precancerous condition that is a, sort of a radiological finding, and then they do a needle biopsy, and they find it. And it can lead to cancer. And during a mammography, uh, a mammography how might that manifest itself? Well, there's little microcalcifications I is see. what you're seeing. Okay. And so they, you will do a biopsy, and the, and the biopsy will come back ductal carcinoma in situ. Now, it, a lot of women are actually undergoing bilateral or unilateral mastectomy mm. because of the fear that ductal carcinoma in situ will become cancer which will then eventually kill them i see this study said some there's some doubt on that and so what i would suggest to women listening and to people who their family members is if your doctor is suggesting to you that you need a mammography i mean excuse me a mastectomy right um get get some other opinions make sure that this is what really needs to be done it should not wait you know if it it should not waiver your decision to do it when it's indicated but there is some question now and you have to and like anything else you weigh the pros and cons of the decision you look at your family history you look at your your own history uh, you look at your own fears how how are you going to live with this is it is it, is the disfigurement from the mammography and the and the uh, plastic repair more than you you risk or is it something you think you want to watch for a couple of years there's no right answers here it's very gray and this this study makes it even more gray
0: in the time we have remaining here on dr. Stus podcast uh, dot com. if you want to email dr. Stu ask dr. at gmail.com that is the email address the doctor will read your emails he will respond and some of them we will read here on the show on dr. Stu's podcast I work with Alicia Krauss who came in a number of months ago to talk yep. about her baby Steve who we
1: had a great time she loves you and uh, we had a great time she had a by the way i want to thank you you guys are like mentioning me a couple times I've heard. I don't listen that often because I'm around the car that often. That's, that's me, I,
0: that's me, pal. Yeah, well, I
1: love that. Yeah, I, I
0: like to work you in.
1: I love that. I I like so thank, you, thank you. Yeah, uh, we are on
0: AM 870, The Answer, in LA, the OC, AM 590, The Answer, in the Inland Empire, all across Southern California from 6 to 9. I'll get a plug there for my show. If you should get a plug. It, so I appreciate that. So, she comes in with radical pink eye. I mean, both eyes, she looks like she did five rounds with Mike Tyson. I mean, she looked like she needed a cut man. I mean, her eyes were were just pink and 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 just uh, swollen and
1: i couldn't believe it yeah it's a miserable condition you know i mean I, I we all know that bob costas was taken off the set for a week i think uh, for the olympics
0: and replaced by matt lauer now her doctor said hey you're feeding right you're 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 feeding your baby breast milk we're not going to give you antibiotics because that breast milk is and i thought of you dr Stu. it is such it is so natural so wonderful there god has put so much good stuff in breast
1: milk that you're not going to need antibiotics for the baby you know well wait you were saying that because 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 mom had pink eye right right the baby never got pink eye stevie her baby her husband her husband eric never got pink eye and it is and it it can be very contagious actually really i mean we we were like thinking of quarantining her well i don't know how how uh elisha treated her pink eye but she would take a
0: like they gave her like a big like she couldn't put drops, and that was something else to do with pregnancy. She had to take, like, big chunks or gunks of, like... An, so she did use an antibiotic and goop, she, though. And she's actually... The goop, right? Good way to put it. And she's actually placing it on her eye and then trying to blink real fast to get it to assimilate into the eye. It
1: was a mess. It is a mess. But you know, you know, when they treat babies with little eye infections and stuff, you know what they treat them with? What? Breast milk. See? And you I just, said, I said to squeeze it. colostrum and breast milk it has is so full of antibi- uh, antibodies and immunoglobulins that you know I, I don't, I mean I don't know that Alicia tried it, but it would have been interesting if she put some of her breast milk in her own eyeball. So I'm thinking,
0: I'm hearing from her breast milk, breast milk, breast milk. Right. I hear from you on Doctor Stu's podcast, breast milk, breast milk, breast milk. I should be able to go to Ralph Vaughn's and buy me some breast milk. Is there an age at which the breast milk
1: stops being so darn good for you? You know, that I don't know. But, you know, what? We, that's a good question for when we bring in the next midwife on or uh, the next doula or somebody we bring them on. Well, We should ask that question.
0: Yeah, I'd go in there and drop four bucks for, uh, for a carton of breast milk. It sounds like it's the greatest thing in the world. You want to do a taste test? Nah, I just, I don't want to get sick. <laughs> you do, I, Randy. Not from the carton. I don't want to do a taste test from the carton, but at the same time, it sounds like it's, uh, you know, nature's, nature's uh, you know, cure-all juice.
1: Yeah, it is, it is sort of, I guess, I guess it is, it's it's a cultural thing because, you know, we have no problem drinking milk from a cow's teat. Right. But, you know, selling and marketing breast milk. You know, I would bet you, I would bet you, Brian, we've, we talked about eating placentas and all that other stuff that you, makes you very happy. I'm willing to bet you that one of our listeners could probably send an email and tell us that there is places where you can buy breast milk. Yeah. It, I know there are breast milk banks for babies, for women who have breastfeeding problems that, that women can get breast milk delivered to their house for their baby. I just don't know that there's a market for it for 40-year-old, 40 41? 41 uh, now. 41, yeah, 41-year-old yeah, 41 uh, men. 42 in August roll into Ralph's in Glendale and say, hey, where's the breast milk? Uh, aisle four. Okay, yeah. th- I might look a little weird. And besides that, Brian, if you're going to get your breast milk, it ought to be f- it ought to be from the breast and not the bottle. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, so, I, I, I agree. I, ideally, I agree. Right. But in a
0: pinch, if I got to get it from the carton, I'm going to get it from the carton. Okay. If it's as mystical and problem-solving as you, Dr. Stu, and my friend Alicia Krause, and all of my pregnant mommy friends and our emailers claim it to be, well, then why not put it in some cardboard and throw it in Ralph's and let's sell it in on uh, mass. Yeah, and you know
1: what? I was just thinking earlier about what Randy was saying when he was when he was doing breast self exam on himself.
0: Yes, and by men, the way, men, any lumps? You all right,
1: I didn't feel any lumps. Men, a feel? men, can get breast cancer. I know men,
0: and it's very scary. I know men who have died
1: from breast cancer. Correct. So you do. I do. Wow.
0: I know one guy in radio who died of breast cancer. Wow. Yep.
1: Was he like thin? Or... He was
0: very overweight. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right.
0: But I, it, I didn't mean to, st- to take it to a grinding halt. You were going to.
1: No, that? no. I'm just saying because it it, it just seems like. You know, uh, obviously people who are overweight have more estrogen production in their fat cells, make estrogen and make other uh, hormones like that. And so those people uh, who have higher estrogen are more likely to have bigger breasts and then they're more likely to have more breast tissue, which is, you know, more likely to probably convert or mutate. So men also should be keeping an eye on their breasts and their breast tissue and their nipples as well as women. But a breast self exam again. Uh, this is the, the if the take home message from today is anything, it's called it's breast self exam, which uh, again you don't need to do it every day. <laughs> you can do it every day if you want to, but that would be too much. But once a month or so, because you want to become familiar with your breast. If because you, if you're familiar with your own breast, when something changes, You'll even notice. subtly, you're going to notice. You'll it. notice. You will notice it. The analogy that I always use, and maybe we've even talked about it before, is if you live in the same apartment for thirty years. Except Randy's, which is, you know, Jamie messes it up all the time. Right. But if you live in the same apartment 30 years, you go out for dinner and you come back home and you open the front door and the shoes that you left by the front door are three inches from where you normally leave them, you know immediately that somebody's been in your apartment or something's wrong. Yeah, right. Whereas somebody who comes to your house once a year isn't going to know the shoes weren't, don't belong there. Right. You'll never notice. Right. So right. check, you know, do your own breast self-exam. Don't leave it to your physician to see you once a year and do breast exam and expect that you're doing fine.
0: And also, we will bring you the latest on the situation in Hawaii, Senate Bill 2569. That continues uh, to be a big issue.
1: One more thing I wanted to talk about. People always ask the question, what about breast ultrasound? What about breast MRI? All right. Mammogram is still the gold standard for screening. Breast ultrasound is an adjunct to people when the mammogram says the breasts are really dense. There's a, there's a law in California, by the way, that if the breasts are really dense, that the radiologist has to say or suggest that ultrasound be uh, be added. Mm. Um, MRI may be more accurate, but it's not the, a good standard for screening. Mm. It's way too expensive, but MRI can be used in specific cases. But still, that should be determined by the, your mammogram, your mammography specialist, or your radiologist, or your obstetrician. You shouldn't be requesting an MRI as a screening test. All right. That's what I would suggest.
0: Dr. Stuart Fishbein, major, major stud. Ask Dr. Stu at gmail.com. That's the website. Ask Dr. Stu at gmail.com. You have a question, a comment? Send an email. The doctor will respond. Uh, he will certainly read. And oftentimes we take your emails and we put them on the air. We share them with the audience. If we think there can be some great information that can be shared with the rest of the audience here in our community on Ask Dr. Stu's uh, podcast. It is Dr. Stu's podcast right there on the website. Uh, Birthing Instincts. Dr. Stu mentioned that new website. You can find a link right there on the right side for blogs for fearless pregnancy. And it's a uh, second volume, right? So Edition, right. second edition right there you can pick that up in time for mother's day i thought or, or for an expecting mom i think that's a great mother's day gift right there all on dr stews thanks for joining us for our very exciting podcast always happy to have you for dr Stuart fishbein i'm his friend just a guy i'm not a doctor
1: I'm Brian Whitman. Nice to see you, Dr. Nice Stew. Nice to see you, Brian. It's a really good topic today. It's a really Sometimes we cover good stuff on Dr. Stu's podcast.
0: And it's all important stuff. And feel free to go back and listen
1: again to Dr. Stew's podcast. God, you know what? We actually talked past the music this time. He'll fix that. He'll make more I don't music. want him to fix it. I, I, I like, you the, like fa- that? I like the fact that we went past the music. And now we leave the air
0: dry.